Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm the sewer rat biting your big toe. And I want you. I don't know if I need you, but I'd die to find out. Welcome to episode 245, WWF Monday Night Raw. Viva la Deutschland. That's right. That's... Yeah, not in German, but that's right. (laughs) So this was the 199th episode of Raw, produced by the WWF. It would take place on February 26th, 1997, from the Deutschlandhall in Berlin, Germany, with an attendance of 6,373. But the episode would air on March 3rd, 1997 with a TV rating of 1.9. That's a bummer. So if you remember, Nitro last week had a 3.0. Damn. They have a 1.9. Damn. And I will say that this card is pretty stacked. Yes. This feels like a mini pay-per-view almost. This feels like a in-your-house when it comes to, you know, not to pull back the Iron Curtain, but... uh, as far as the amount of wrestling on the show? You're not going to break down the wall? <laughs> no. I'm only one man. Break the wall down! <laughs> Wait, we're a few years early. <laughs> yeah. My whole, over a decade. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. This show has a, a completely different feel in what I think is a good way. Well, spoiler alert on that one. Yeah. I know, that's what I said. But we are in Germany. We are. we are. Berlin to be specific. Yeah. So Shane, Haas du Geton, was du Tust? Ja. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got for you there. Um, yes, I did do what I do. I'm, I was, what about you? You said C. <laughs> Sorry. I was cracking up about that. Yeah, we are in Germany. We're in Berlin. So I did what I do where I hop on the old interwebs and say, hey, Type, type, type. What do people in Germany like to eat? He's um, mimicking in air, typing on a computer. Like, yes, like you can see me. Like mm-hmm. a four-year-old with a, a keyboard. <laughs> or um, your mother. Yeah. No, that's like one finger. <laughs> yeah, depending on her age. Hunt and peck. Yes, we're in Germany, and I decided to look up what do the Germans like to eat. We've schnitzeled. Um, yes, we've schnitzeled. If I could have, I would have brought some, like, the... It's not technically German, but it's from Austria, which is close enough. Unless you're from Germany, then maybe it's not close enough. I don't know. Anywho, sure, there's some crossover. I would have liked to bring some of Wolfgang Puck's goulash because it was delicious back in the day. But I did find another German restaurant, and unfortunately, the restaurant with the German flair in Oklahoma have dwindled down to nearly none. Yeah, rest um, in peace. Ingrid's. Ingrid's, yes. Because yep. the other place is just like a bar, and the food's not that good. Which, El Fassler? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of stinks. This one, I went to Moore, Oklahoma, 
and found myself at the Royal Bavarian, which is a German restaurant slash beer garden. It's a cute little place. Never been there before. Uh, the the servers all wear like German. I'm I'm guessing stereotypical German style, old style dresses with like the mm. little puffy sleeves yeah. and. They look like they should be wearing lederhosen, but, you know, they're just... Do the guys wear in... puffy shirts? <laughs> Funny enough, <laughs> I did not see any guys working. So they're either in the kitchen, or it's just the guy that runs the place is the only guy that works there, and he hires only girls. I don't know. I'm going to have to go back there, though, and check out the food, because the menu looked good when I looked it up, and some of the stuff that I saw walking by on the trays looked pretty tasty, but I figure we're here for raw. It's a... It's not a full-on pay-per-view or premium live event, as they will become known in the distant future. But we have a reason to celebrate. We're here watching the uh, finals of the European Championship Tournament, so I figure we're going to need a little something to celebrate. We need something, you know, celebrations. You get a, something sweet, something cakey. I decided to go for a couple different strudels. first one we have is... Topfenstrudel mit Vanille sauce, which is a cream strudel with vanilla sauce, which is a Bavarian specialty. It says, don't leave before you've tried it. I should note all of their desserts are homemade from old family recipes, so these are, are made in-house. There's nothing that's brought in. Yeah, brought in, pre-made. frozen, and thawed out. Yeah. The other one I got is the Apfenstrudel mit Vanille ice, but I had them... Leave out the ice, if I'm saying it per- correctly. It's an apple strudel with vanilla ice cream, but I just had them give me more of that uh, vanilla sauce from the cream strudel because I figured by the time I got back here with it, the ice cream would melt, and we'd just have vanilla cream anyways, so let's just go for a vanilla cream. But it's a famous dessert, homemade and fresh. It's, I think, my favorite of the two. The apples are very, very prominent in it. you got a good little cinnamon kick to it. Yeah, the apple had a very, like, sweet, obviously, but the apples had a nice, like, sour tinge to it in a good way. Yes, they had a a sour, you know, there's a a good tanginess to them. They're sort of al dente in a way, so they still have a little bit of a bite to them, and it's not just apple mush. I don't know for sure with this cream one. I, I popped it in the microwave because... I didn't really open the box. I just thought, it's a strudel, so we need to heat it up. And then I noticed all the actual cream layers that are in there, so I don't know if that one is technically served cold, but it wasn't bad warm. But yeah, the the apple flavor on the the apple one is, I think, my favorite for sure. But they've got some other dessert-wise anyways. They've got the... Fuck this all up. It's sad because I'm half German, but I never took German. I took Spanish, so I should have said C. We have one that's a uh, deep fried apples with cinnamon sugar and vanilla ice cream. Slices of apples dipped in a sweet beer batter and fried. You've got the Deutscher Kissenkacken Mixer Sauce Herbal Ball, which is. You're destroying our I, German I told listeners' you. eardrums yeah. right now. I'm, I'm sorry. Don't, don't hate me. But yeah, it's a German cheesecake. With a sauce of your choice, either chocolate, raspberry, or caramel. They've got a Bavarian chocolate bread pudding with an orange caramel sauce. Or they have vanilla ice cream with hot raspberries topped with whipped cream. I think I made the right choice with these two, though. 
but definitely gonna have to go back see what their schnitzels are about try some of the sausages try some of their red cabbage their german potato salad their sauerkraut because i'm talking about all that stuff i'm getting like really hungry now yeah so. you did sweet now you need savory yep but yeah i'm gonna do what i do since i couldn't really do it last week i'm gonna dip into my bowl of strudel here bring it up to the microphone and take a nice little squishy bite so see you on the other side that's right in german Fuck yeah. I might need to get one of these for the holidays. I wonder if they'll sell me a whole one. Quick question. Yeah. There was a chocolate orange dessert on that menu. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about the chocolate and orange combination or just the chocolate orange itself? I didn't used to be a fan of People chocolate People seem to either like together. it or hate it. My first time going to Starbucks, that was the special that they had was like a orange mocha cappuccino. Well, that and sounds bad. Yeah, it was awful. So I took my first sip of Starbucks and threw it in the trash. Damn. Depends on the chocolate. Yeah. It depends on the chocolate. It depends on how strong they go on the orange, if they use zest, if they use juice, uh, if they reduce the juice. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've had, like, the bread pudding that I brought from Iron Star. It's a double chocolate bread pudding, and they use a Grand Marnier sauce, so it has a little bit of a citrus kick to it, but it's not... Yeah, it's not, like, orange. Yeah, it's not orange-orange. How do you feel about the actual, like... In a foil ball, chocolate orange. I haven't had one of those in forever. Yeah, those are are great. The chocolate's the right kind of chocolate. Yeah, it's great. I love those things. And see, I haven't had one of those since my taste buds changed in my mid-20s, and I stopped being picky on everything, because that was... You know what we're going to have to do, Shane? We're going to have to find out where those came from. Maybe add them to the list. Very true. While we're talking about it. But, uh, you know, it was just a, a thought I had. Chocolate... Don't let them know. It'll be a surprise. Keep listening. Find out when the chocolate orange shows up. It'll be like our gobbly gooker. (laughs) Well, something that would happen right around the same time as this raw, Savage Garden's self-titled debut album will come out the next day. Um, I mean, I really only know the two songs, but the... Two of the biggest songs of... 1997. For sure, but the second single, Truly, Madly, Deeply, when people put that thing on the internet, it's like, what was the number one song the month, week you were born, or whatever? Uh, Or when you were 10. When I was 10, Mm -hmm. number one song, Truly, Madly, Deeply. Yep. Because it was in the midst of a 14-week run at that point. Yeah, I mean, I could, yeah, there was a bunch of, I could have been born a little early or a little American radio in 1997. That's wild. But yeah. that's why we all know it. I know Savage Garden a lot because I watched the Rosie O'Donnell show back in the day. Oh, yeah. She, I loved a, she loved her Chicka Cherry Cola. She loved her Chicka Cherry Cola. I, I loved the Rosie show. I watched it with my grandma. Swoosh ball things that she used to mm-hmm. shoot out in the audience. Swoosh ball. Swoosh ball, whatever. They swooshed when they When, when they, they cooshed, <laughs> yeah. Do you swoosh when you cooch? Did you guys own this CD? I did. Do you remember songs... Other than those two, is it a memorable album? It's a decent album. Okay. Like, it's not like one that stuck with you. No. Okay. Yeah. Let's just curious. What other songs were on that? I mean, just those two. I mean, they released eight singles off of this album. So, so like, there was probably 12 tracks. Two. So, To the Moon and Back was the second one. Break Me, Shake Me, Universe, All Around Me, Santa Monica, 
And tears for pearls. The only tears sa- of pearls. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. I don't remember The only any of those Santa moments. Monica I know is by Everclear. Yeah. I mean, To the Moon in the Back, To Moon and Back was probably the second best one, or third best one. You know, yeah, it. yeah. It had like this weird intro. I mean, they did very electro pop type stuff, synth stuff. Because the producer was, um, Air, of, what is his name, from Air, Air Supply. Oh, oh, wow. Weird. Yeah. Huh. So I was going to say, like, Mutt Lang or something like that, since <laughs> he was big at the time. Your Love is Like Oxygen, you know that song? <laughs> That's an Air Supply song. You get too much. Okay, I do. Now that yeah. I'm actually hearing the words to it, I don't remember the intro at all. Well, they cut it out for the radio, probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate Savage Garden, but I wasn't a huge fan. I've heard you complain I wasn't a about fan. It. I've heard you. Well, that, that, one song, that one song, it played for 14 weeks. People were going to get tired. No, that's truly madly deeply. Yeah. Oh, which yeah. Which is a good song. Yeah, but Chick- Cherry Cola. Cherry, Cherry Cola. Did not only hit number four on the charts, but was overplayed. So they didn't, but it was overplayed as well. Yes, yes. it's also not nearly as a uh, enjoyable song. No, no. Like I said, great chorus, bad verse. Yep. <laughs> so are we ready to see if this show goes down like a chick cherry cola? Oh, I want it to, but I'm dying to find out. Jesus. <laughs> we get the WWF logo followed by a video highlighting the Berlin Wall. And the Cold War, where we get Vince McMahon narration. For nearly 30 years, this terrible wall symbolized the world's division. But the people of Berlin tore it down on November 9th, 1989, signaling the end of the Cold War and the celebration of a reunified Germany. The Brandenburg Gate was once blockaded east from west and is now a free passageway. A portion of the wall that literally split the city in half still stands today. A testament to the human spirit and now a symbol of unity to the rest of the free world. Tonight, the eyes of the world are once again on Berlin. Eight superstars that battled for seven nights in seven cities for the honor of being the first European champion. Tonight, two men united as tag team champions are engulfed in controversy. Two men are united by family and divided by a common goal. Tonight, the world unites in Berlin, Germany to crown the first ever World Wrestling Federation European Champion. First new belt in 20 years? So I hear. Sorry. (laughs) That was nice. Cue the intro before Vince welcomes everyone to the show. Followed by Honky Tonk Man making his way down to the announcer's table. Oh, lordy. McMahon then also introduces Jim Ross before running down the card of the show. And our ring announcer for the evening is Karsten Schaefer. And he is actually a longtime WWF employee. Joining the company in 1989, working as a German commentator on pretty much Every VHS DVD release that came out until he was released from the company in 2020 
after 32 years. That's wild. He was the longest running employee other than Vince at that time. Fucking COVID. That's crazy. Took him out. I mean, hopefully he's still with us. Well, yeah, but, but yeah, that was the he's the not COVID, with the company. The COVID yeah. cuts that they yeah, made that yeah, year. I'm sure. But we go to our first match: Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Brett the Hitman Hart. And as Triple H makes his way down, Vince sends it backstage to Brett, who talks about keeping focus on his match before saying he hopes Austin is watching at home because what I do tonight is the same thing I'm going to do to Stone Cold. And before the match gets going, you see fans like throwing stuff into the ring, and one of them happens to be a Bret Hart teddy bear. Uh-huh, I did see those. That Hunter picks up and just punts it back out into the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just like Baxter. Great visual. So Triple H starts with a knee to the midsection, but the hitman comes right back with a side headlock, Takedown as we see video of Austin arriving at the WWF headquarters in Connecticut. I want to know why he wasn't invited to Germany. I don't know. He, he wasn't in the European tournament, so. Yeah, DUI. True. Like he's already Just the king of the kidding, ring. I don't need to give him everything. Hunter continuously escapes, only to be put right back into a side headlock until delivering another knee to the midsection to take control of the match as we head to break. Slammy Awards, coming soon on the USA Network. And we're back to the action as Triple H continues to hammer away, sending Brett into a ring post shoulder first, posted, followed by a single arm breaker for a two count. Hunter works the shoulder over with knees before hitting a running knee lift and heading up top, only for the hitman to meet him there for a superplex. Hart hits a leg drop, a shot to the gut, and a side Russian leg sweep for a near fall, before nailing a backbreaker and a second rope elbow drop for a two count. Brett keeps it up with a snap suplex for a near fall, but Triple H reverses a whip, sending the hitman hard into a corner, followed by going for the pedigree. But Hart counters it into a catapult that sends Hunter headfirst into the ring post. Posted. Brett goes to apply the sharpshooter, but Triple H rates the eyes to slow the momentum. So the hitman whips Hunter to a corner for a flare flip, leaving him hanging upside down. Tree of woe. Allowing Hart to stomp away. Whoa. <laughs> the ref attempts to pull them out of the corner, only for Brett to shove him down, causing Earl Hebner to call for the disqualification. Post match. Brett looks to continue attacking Triple H when the muscular woman jumps in the ring, staring the hitman down until security can separate everyone. Hot crowd. I mean, Brett uh, leading Hunter to a nice, intense match and uh, putting some some uh, some grit into the hitman. Yep. Starting to see uh, a little bit of that anger boil into the surface of the polite Canadian that we've known all these years. The always slighted Bret Hart has had enough. Sick of this shit. Vincent sends us to the WWF headquarters to interview Stone Cold Steve Austin. But all there is is an empty chair. But all of a sudden we hear the sound of a toilet being flushed. 
So McMahon then gives us a sightseeing tour of Berlin before going to the footage from the Royal Rumble where Owen Hart eliminated the British Bulldog. We also see footage of the Final Four match before heading to break where we get the Slam of the Week where Undertaker hits a leaping clothesline on Farouk followed by Old School and a Power Slam from Raw the previous week. But when we come back, it's our second match. Vader with Paul Bearer versus Rocky Maivia for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. JR lets us know that uh, Vader did beat Rocky Maivia in the European tournament. Mm-hmm. 11 days ago. Mm-hmm. They even showed us footage of it. Yep, they did. So Vader uses his power advantage to control the match early on, delivering forearms, stiff shots, and a clothesline, followed by a sit-down ab stretch before transitioning into a sleeper. But Maivia escapes and rolls up the Mastodon for a two-count. Vader recovers to nail another clothesline and a corner splash, followed by telegraphing a back body drop. So Rocky goes for a sunset flip, only for the Mastodon to just butt splash for a near fall. Vader attempts a suplex, but Maivia is able to block and reverse it into one of his own for a two-count before hitting multiple clotheslines, right hands, and a back suplex for a near fall as we head to break. Look at him moving Vader around like that. Back to the action, the Mastodon splashes Rocky in the middle of the ring before dragging him to the corner for a second rope splash for the pin. And no, Maivia kicks out. Paul Bear is shocked. Vader applies a leg lock with Rocky crawling his way to the ropes to break the hold. The crowd rallying behind him. So the Mastodon slams him and heads to the second rope again. And Vader leaps off, only to be caught by Maivia for a power slam that gets a two count. Damn. Followed by a belly-to-belly suplex for a near fall. Rocky plants the Mastodon with a float over DDT and heads up top, connecting with the crossbody, but Vader is able to roll away to keep from being covered. Maivia then nails a drop kick that sends the Mastodon over the ropes to the floor, following out to keep up the punishment, when Mankind would arrive to whack Rocky over the head with the urn, causing the ref to call for the disqualification. Post-match, Vader looks at Foley, wondering what that was all about, before returning Maivia to the ring to beat him down with stiff shots, clotheslines, and an elbow before officials come in to the ring to break it up. Aww, the first rock and sock connection. <laughs> Involved an urn. Still uh, very good in-ring stuff. It's a shame that the first two matches are uh, DEQ. I mean, Rocky can't pin Vader yet, but Vader, but they can't pin Rocky because they're trying to push him. And he needs... What's Easy. for the title, so... Yeah, yeah. It's like he either needs his win back or this needs to happen. JR then sends it to footage of Jerry the King Lawler challenging ECW on Raw two weeks ago. We then see highlights of some of the action that took place last week on Raw when ECW showed up. But any use of a weapon, except for a chair, because they can use those on... Everything else is blurred out. Or Sandman hitting himself with a beer can is all blurred out. Too extreme. 
So the footage closes with Lawler and Paul Heyman trying to get their hands on each other after having an argument at the announce table. The King then calls into the show, saying he can't believe that McMahon wasted airtime showing that ECW footage again, claiming that several WWF wrestlers were mad that they got invaded, but then proceeds to invite Heyman to the next week's Raw. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The... Uh... I wonder if it was. It feels like a Paulie idea to like blur it out so people will like. like oh, I want to see that. Let me tune into in ECW. Feels like a Paul idea and not something that they just wouldn't show on television. But I don't know for sure. This is conjecture. I don't, I don't know for sure either. Yeah. Maybe one of the weapons had blood or something on it, <laughs> or somebody wrote, you know, Sandman's fucking cane or something like that on it. <laughs> so we go to our third match, the Sultan. Versus Flash Funk. And we go to commercial before the match begins. Getting a Raw is War ad. No Funkettes for Flash. I guess they didn't have Funkette money. They didn't pay them to go on the European tour. Of course they didn't, but... I'm surprised I couldn't find European Funkettes. Whatever the the German word for that is. Funkettes. Liederhose. (laughs) Nice. I don't know. (laughs) But we return to see Sultan hit a back elbow, followed by footage of how the Sultan got the upper hand during the break. Flash responds with a drop kick to send the Sultan out to the floor, following out with a second rope clothesline. Now back in the ring, the Sultan regains control with the sleeper, taking Funk down to the mat momentarily as we get a phone call from Paul E. Dangerously. And Flash escapes and leaps off the second rope with a crossbody, while Heyman talks about his pay-per-view coming up on April 13th. Funk with a spinning heel kick for a two-count before the two men both hit clotheslines for a double KO, as Paul E. talks bad about Lawler. And the two men are back on their feet, where they trade strikes until Flash delivers a hurricanrana to take down the Sultan, before heading up top to nail a moonsault for a near fall. And it's kind of amazing that he pulled the moonsault because Flash Funk lands right on his head when doing this Hurricane Rana. It is a tough look. He's, yeah, visibly rocked. All I could think is, uh, now that's the the Scorpio I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, fuck. The Sultan reverses a whip, sending Funk to a corner where he attempts to leap up and over the charging Sultan. But he's caught, so Flash counters into a head scissors only for the Sultan to counter it into a pancake slam. The Sultan then locks on the camel clutch for the submission and the win. Wild. I did not expect the Sultan to win because Flash Funk's been featured on television. But... Jobber to the star. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> May I jobber to the Sultan. You're going to wear those hooker boots? You're going to point those heels to God? Vincent says it to footage from last October, where Steve Austin trashed the WWF headquarters, tossing production and security around. We then go to an interview from earlier in the day, where Psycho Sid had some words for mankind, who surprised everyone by speaking German during an interview he did. And Sid says that Foley should be focusing on the game they play instead of speaking German. Followed by turning his attention to The Undertaker, saying he will be a symbol of one of his many victories, as he is the man 
the master and the ruler of the world. Thank you for the tea on that. <laughs> it's the world. The world. We go to commercial, but we come back to Ross sending us to footage from In Your House Final Four, where Bulldog and Owen had a miscommunication, followed by a shoving match. Now back in the arena, Ahmed Johnson makes his way down to the ring, with a man saying he's there to announce whether or not he will accept the street fight challenge from Farouk for WrestleMania. And our ring announcer, Karsten Schaefer, is there as well to help translate for the fans in the arena, with Ahmed accepting, but he won't be coming by himself, and that he will take Farouk down for the fans, finishing with, you're going down. And the crowd chants with down. him. You're, You're going down. down. That's what he was saying. Okay. You're going down. The crowd chants with him, and it's not a great thing to chant, but it's nice to see him behind old AJ. We get a WrestleMania ad, followed by footage of the Legion of Doom's return last week on Raw. Oh, what a rush. And the LOD cuts a promo on the NOD. Nation of Domination on Shotgun Saturday night, saying they will be at WrestleMania. So I guess we know who Johnson's bringing now. Uh, so I didn't even put that together. Me neither. It felt, I, it felt separate. I'm not going to lie. A lot of times when Ahmed Johnson talks, he has so much ba- bass in his voice. I don't know what the hell he says. What he says. It's just, really? yeah. Oh, that's funny. I feel, I feel like he speaks very clearly, but he does have a low voice. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Maybe I didn't put it together either until they actually mentioned the Nation of Domination. And then I was like, but wait, Ahmed's fighting Farouk. So if Legion of Doom's going to fight, like, I assume Crush and Savio. But that means Farouk's involved in that too, so, yeah. Why has Crush got to be involved in stuff? We then go to pre-recorded comments from Mankind, where he talks in German before going to a commercial for the Slammy Awards 1997. But we come back to highlights from earlier in the night before we go to our fourth match. Mankind with Paul Bear versus Psycho Sid for the WWF Championship. And Sid goes right after Foley with a boot to the gut, right hands, and a clothesline, all while still wearing the title. Mankind rolls out to regroup, but Psycho Sid follows out to hit a running big boot, only for Foley to respond with a series of right hands. Attempts a clothesline, which Sid avoids, causing Mankind to hit the ring post. Posted. Back in the ring, Psycho Sid takes advantage with a neck vice, only for Foley to elbow his way free, but Sid then takes Mankind down with an arm breaker. And we cut to split screen to get Steve Austin joining us from the WWF headquarters, where he says he's sick of Bret Hart complaining and whining on television, as Psycho Sid continues to beat down Foley. And back to the action, Sid's being choked by Bankind, where he hits a leg drop and elbow smash across the throat as well. Psycho Sid begins to fire back with clubbing blows across the back before hitting several running stops to the side of Foley's head. But Mankind avoids a big boot in the corner, allowing Foley to regain control with a flurry of right hands as we head to commercial. 
and back to the action, Sig clotheslines Mankind out to the floor, following out to continue the punishment, when Bearer would come over and attempt an urn shot to the back. But Psycho Sid turns in time and starts to stalk after Paul, only for Foley to recover and try to attack from behind, which Sid turns in time to shove Mankind back first into the ring post. Post. I like that he turns right when Mankind's like within reach of Sid. Just turns and puts Sand straight to the neck. Psycho Sid then drops Foley with a back suplex on the concrete before returning to the ring and dragging Mankind to the apron. Only for Sid to be dropped throat first across the top rope, followed by a second rope leg drop for a two count. Foley then ducks a clothesline and locks in the mandible claw. <sighs> taking Psycho Sid down to the mat for several near falls. But he powers his way to his feet, yanking the claw out of his mouth, only for mankind to get a boot to the gut before dropping Sid with a double-arm DDT for the pin. And no, Psycho Sid kicks out. Foley then applies a sleeper, but Sid backs him into a corner to escape. Tries for a charge in, only for Mankind to get a boot up and reapply the sleeper, even leaping on to Psycho Sid's back, which is escaped with an electric chair drop. Sid continues with hard right hands, continuing into mounted punches. When Bear gets on the apron, so Psycho Sid grabs him, only to move in time when Foley goes to attack, sending Paul crashing to the floor. Sid then nails a choke slam for a near fall, but Mankind rakes the eyes to regain control momentarily as he whips Psycho Sid to the ropes, only to telegraph a back body drop, allowing Sid to deliver a powerbomb for the pin and the win. Sid's over. Hmm? Fans are into it. Vince sends us to footage from Shotgun Saturday Night from nine days ago where we see British Bulldog fending off the Nation of Domination. He goes for a suplex of Crush, but Savio Vega would grab the leg, causing Bulldog to crash down, with Crush on top for the loss. And Davy Boy is not happy after the match, even yelling at Clarence Mason to come back to the ring, as he was technically the manager for both groups. He really was. I didn't think about that. Yeah, pretty bizarre. Basically asking him, what side are you on? Then turning to Owen Hart and asking him the same question. <laughs> Owen tries to calm Bulldog down, but Davy Boy's had enough, so he fires Clarence Mason. As he should. Can't be working both sides. No, especially if you're going to represent the other side better than you represent me. You got them a title match. You gave me a match to defend my title. We go to commercial getting a WrestleMania 13 ad. But when we return, we get another interview with Steve Austin. Showing footage of Stone Cold interfering in the Final Four match and the next night on Raw, where he would cost the Hitman the title. And McMahon just wants to know, what's up with that? Yeah, but Stone Cold has no regrets. Austin responds that when Shawn Michaels got hurt and had the flu, you make sure the whole world knows about it. But at Final Four, he was sick as a dog, and he still competed. 
Stone Cold then turns his attention to the submission match at WrestleMania with Hart, calling it a bunch of bull. That he might not know a lot of submission moves, but he will beat the hell out of Brett. I ain't got no quitting me. Austin continues by telling Ken Shamrock, who will be the special referee, that there isn't anyone that can make him tap out. Because that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Wild how much uh, they build up Austin on a show where he is remote from the uh, Titan Tower. But you gotta remember, this is a company that built up Austin when he was injured and couldn't wrestle for a ring for yeah, the I, better part of a year, and that's what built him to the superstardom that he hit. His little let's keep him fresh in people's minds by having him do this crazy shit on regular yeah. TV. It's not like he's incapable of being compelling. Yes. I mean, it's it's maybe the thing he's most capable of, especially after the injury. So we go to our fifth match: Owen Hart versus British Bulldog. In the finals for the WWF European Championship. And so the tournament had been completely held on this European tour that they were on. With Owen having defeated Flash Funk and the Hitman. While Davey Boy had gone through Mankind and Vader to reach the finals. Would have loved to see the Brett and uh, Owen match. It ended in a countout. I, I can believe that. I think Vince even says there was a controversial ending Uh, to the match. So we get a feeling out process to start until they lock up in a test Test of strength. strength. Love it. That sees Bulldog get the advantage. The heart with a springboard escape into a hip toss, followed by a hurricanrana attempt, only for Davey Boy to powerbomb Owen down to the mat. Bulldog then catapults Hart over the ropes and to the floor, but he then holds the ropes open for his partner to re-enter the ring. Aw, look at that. We get, more, we get more back and forth action with arm work shared between the two as we go to commercial. And back to the action, Davy Boy hits a crucifix for a two count. Before going for a vertical suplex that Owen blocks and tries for an enziguri. Only for Bulldog to duck and lock in a surfboard. But Hart grabs the ref to escape the hold. Only for Davy Boy to be right back on the attack with a snapmare, arm lock, and a monkey flip. Charges at Owen, only to be back body dropped out to the floor. So Hart then holds the ropes so that to allow his partner one of my, to re-enter the ring. One of my favorite moments of this show is Davy Boy, you know, out on the floor, recovering from uh, you know just crashing onto the ground, and there's like a middle-aged lady, forties. 50s maybe in the front row the and she's does that mean? she's middle aged really what she's not she wasn't like old old she wasn't a white hair does that mean i'm middle aged now Damn yeah it. we all are uh and uh <laughs> and she uh back then people didn't age as well as we do now yeah and uh she's uh on her knees with her hand through the steel and like tapping on davy boy like like yeah like you got this man you got this and it really uh warms my heart see her you know bring it's a shame that old people don't watch wrestling anymore or older people because those old white hair ladies when you watch old shows that are just losing their mind is so fucking nice the two men start running the ropes when owen does a leapfrog coming down holding his knee but it was all a ruse to be able to cheap shot bulldog in the gut cheeky son of a bitch starting to work over the leg before attempting a sharpshooter 
only for Davy Boy to kick him away. It's too early, brother. And Bulldog starts shoving Hart before his whip is reversed, allowing Owen to charge in with a spinning heel kick. And Hart starts working the back with a backbreaker, tossing Davy Boy into a turnbuckle back first, scoop slam, and a leg drop for a two count. Owen goes to a reverse chin lock, but Bulldog elbows his way free, only to be caught with a knee to the gut and kicks that send Davy Boy rolling out to the floor. Now Bulldog returns with a sunset flip for a near fall, but Hart recovers to deliver a clothesline and an elbow for a two count before going to commercial, where we get the WWF Rewind, and we get highlights of the muscular woman coming to the aid of Triple H earlier in the evening. But back to the action, Owen nails an overhead belly-to-belly suplex for a near fall. Ooh, it's great looking. Followed by locking on a camel clutch. But Davy Boy powers his way to his feet, dropping Hart with an electric chair drop. Now Bulldog charges at Owen, only to get a big boot. So Hart then rolls him up with leverage for a two count, before hitting a neck breaker and a second rope elbow drop for a near fall. And Owen sets Davy Boy on the top turnbuckle, goes for a superplex, but Bulldog counters in midair to land on top. For the pin. No. no. Heart kicks out. I love the reverse chin lock before this um, big spot where it's like they're doing a really good job of uh, hiding it, but you can tell that Owen is uh, in his ear. I was like, you know, like here, you're like giving him a spot or whatever. And you can tell that like Bulldog puts his like hand like in his mouth or whatever just to like get out a response without anybody uh, seeing it. So he's like, oh, yeah, no, not that, and then uh, is my assumption, and then he takes the second um, suggestion for the next spot. They did a really good job of hiding it. I wouldn't have noticed it when I was a kid, but uh, it was just it's kind of things you start looking for when you've watched as much wrestling as we have. Yep. They lost that ability when uh, High Def came around. <laughs> or when people didn't call matches in the ring anymore, and uh, yeah. That too. Davy Boy hits a trio of clotheslines and a vertical suplex for a two count. Tosses Owen chest first into a corner before press slamming rockets first onto the top rope. (laughs) Bulldog then goes to bring in Hart the hard way, but Owen floats over to counter into a bridging German suplex for a near fall. Or is it just a regular suplex since we're in Germany? It's a bridging... It's a German suplex. Give them their flowers. A reversed whip sees Hart try to leap up and over Davy Boy, but he gets caught. So Bulldog goes for the running power slam, only for Owen to hang onto the ropes, causing them to fall to the mat with Hart on top for a two count. Owen then hits a springboard crossbody, but Davy Boy rolls through to be on top for a near fall, followed by Hart nailing an insiguri, locking on the sharpshooter. But Bulldog slowly crawls his way to the ropes to break the hold. Dude, couldn't believe it. The Insiguri catches his foot. Owen steps up, lands the other one. Bulldog sells it like Sam Houston full flip. Fucking lost my mind. The two then fight their way through a tombstone pile driver attempt. With Davy Boy getting heart up for the running power slam. For the pin! And no, Owen kicks out. 
Bulldog starts to argue with the ref. He's in disbelief. Allowing Hart to jump on his back for a victory roll. But Davy Boy rolls through for the pin. And, and the win. win. And, and new. And first and inaugural. Mm-hmm. Post-match, the two partners shake hands. But there still seems to be a bit of jealousy on the part of Owen. As Vince says his goodbyes, and we fade to black. There's uh, a moment here where Owen Hart takes a minute to do the handshake, and then he still has a stern look on his face. And then when they lift up their titles or whatever, like Owen makes sure to have one hand on the European belt. Mm-hmm. It's just those little touches that uh, guys like this are so good at doing without making things feel so obvious or corny. See, these Hart brothers need to, uh, from now on, never wrestle Davey overseas for a championship because he beat Brett for the Intercontinental in, I mean, in Great Britain. As great as this match was, I was like, British Bulldog's obviously going to win, but they did the thing where the match was great, and I was like, well, maybe the heel on top, but they're, it's like they're not in England, but got to get the guy from the UK winning from Europe. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Monday Night Raw from March 3rd, 1997? It's fun as hell. I love the look of the show because obviously they didn't bring their own equipment and so like the cameras are older and you can tell there's like a, a grainier quality but not necessarily in a negative way. The show looks like a show from these like early 80s and the way that the arena is lit it's a lot darker and it has a grittier old older feel that like i really really enjoyed and kind of played into the show because this feels like there's more wrestling slash good wrestling on a raw than we typically see so it felt like a throwback because it kind of was. Yeah, it had a very Coliseum home video appeal to it from you know those little tapes that I'd walk down to video station in Lincoln, Nebraska and rent, you know, with shows from overseas that, you know, they wouldn't show on regular TV yeah. over here. Yeah. Good well, show. Yeah. Solid wrestling. There's only five matches, so I'm definitely not mad about that. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, Mostly pull, start to finish. To pull back the Iron Curtain yet again, on the background, as we do this, I've got some old AWA playing on television, mm-hmm. and uh, it looks very similar to the show that we watched, and I think that's a good and cool thing. But, uh, yeah, for reference, that's that's uh, it has grittier big fight feel vibe because of it. And in, like... 2043 there's going to be some whatever they call podcasts and sitting around doing a listen or re-listen podcast of their own listening to us talk about these shows oh yeah you think so while they watch Monday Night Raw from Berlin Germany in the background (laughs) yeah it's going to be great as long as we don't get taken out by a solar flare first hey did you guys know that the WWF could do a capital W wrestling show (sighs) When they I mean, want to. I know they have. I know they have the talent to do it. This felt like a house show, in the in a good way. 
with the occasional storyline thrown in. Definitely worth a watch, if not if just for the main event, as I do think it is a shortlist contender. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, Owen just has... There's a moment in here where he teases that he hurt his knee or whatever to play possum and take Davy Boy down. And then Owen, healing to the crowd, just like runs in place just to rub it in their face. And it's just like wonderful shit that he's so good at. So smart, so simple, and effective. Yep. Which is my favorite kind of wrestling most of the time. Yep, yep, yep. I enjoyed it. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So, what are some of the best moments of this show? I mean, is is Owen the MVP? <laughs> but I think everybody. I think uh, Brett losing it, similar to um, Dean Malenko last week, was nice. And Brett Hart, no shade to Dean Malenko, means a lot more in this company than Dean Malenko means WCW. So. Of course, uh, that comes off as more effective. Spoiler, Bret Hart means more to this company than Dean Malenko means more to the company when he's in the company. Yeah, more than (laughs) Dean Malenko's ever meant to wrestling, which, like I said, no shade to Dean. We are all huge fans, but he never got to the heights of uh, Bret Hart. I enjoyed the Hunter match. It's good to see that strong woman keeping her, her presence known to the, the wrestlers. Hopefully one day we'll find out who she is. We have a lot less matches on here, so it's like, well, if I'm going to call like a match the worst one, it would be Sultan Flash Funk, yeah. but I didn't hate it, but I think all the other matches are I mean, pretty good to great. I mean, all the matches are your upper mid-card to yeah. top, of the, like, top of the card guys. I love seeing Sid get cheers, Mick Foley get more booze than I feel like he's gotten in a while. I really enjoyed hearing Mick Foley... German. <laughs> that was fun. I thought it was very funny that they showed the Sid interview first, and it references the Mankind yeah, no, one. Yeah. It's like, why didn't you swap that around? It's, it doesn't make any sense. Especially, like, it's like, oh, give him the heel promo first, and then the babyface promo. Um, watching Rocky as he made his way to the ring, I feel like I could see the frustration on his face of people don't like me as much as I hope they would, because... I mean, he, he got pulled by the crowd quite a bit as he made his way down, but you could see the frustrations as he had to turn around and, like, rip his arm away from somebody because they wouldn't let go of him. Yeah, it just it makes me excited for the when, future. When he becomes one of the best yeah. heels of the A little less 90s. rocky, a little more cocky. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I hated him so much when, I was, when he was that wonderful heel on television, and it was, yeah, and... I hated him because he was doing his job right. Mm-hmm. Not because he was bad at it, because he was good at it. There's one of these shows that, like, everything is good, but nothing really stands out. Yeah. I think the biggest standout is that there's wrestling on a Raw. Like, these feel like yeah. fucking wrestling matches. And that the bummer of it is that it is a really good glorified and, house and show. And a lot, a lot of the reason, I mean... The reason is because they were on this European tour and they decided to film it so they could show it on Raw, you know. I'm glad they did. And, but they only had a certain amount of people on the tour. So they were like, okay, well, we have to, let's just put all our main guys on TV. That'll, but all these matches are 
probably a good 12 to 15 minutes long. Yeah, I mean, last week we watched it, 10 matches in the same amount of time, an hour and a half. Exactly. An hour and a half commercial free on, on like, the network, Beacock, whatever. How about most disappointing? I mean, I'm not particularly mad at the double, you know, the DQ in the first two matches, but it is a little disappointing. I completely understand why. I don't know that it necessarily needed to go another way. I wish they would have moved the matches moved around. Moved the matches around a little bit so that there wasn't the two DQs. Back yeah, like back why back. couldn't Sultan and Maivia be second? Yep. Yeah. There's no, yeah, there's no reason that match could fit like basically anywhere on the card except for the last match because all the other matches are like fucking big names that have been around long enough. Or at least there's one big name in it that's been around long enough. Whereas the Sultan and Flash Funk... They've, been, they've both been around long enough, but they haven't been the characters that they're playing very long at all. Yeah, it's just they're, they're not... Uh, they're not home names. Like, Sid has been around forever. Yeah. He's a name. Mick Foley's been around forever. He's mankind, but mm-hmm. if you're a wrestling fan, you know Fatu's you know been who around is. forever, but he wasn't really anything much the last couple years other than yeah his mask looks cool mm-hmm. that's for sure uh, the sultan has a good look yeah i don't know i really liked the show i think like i said the production really did vibe can mean a lot sometimes and we're gonna if i were to like rate this sometimes you watch a thing and something happens and you're like oh well that gets an extra half a star just for that and this show gets like a full extra point or two because of the look and the vibe yeah. and it just felt nostalgic in yeah in a in a different way it wasn't trying to do that it just happened to be that way and it kind of aligned with the fact that they gave them more time to wrestle yeah feels good man I'm a best performer of the night I'm going with the crowd the crowd was wonderful yeah they were into it but, I mean, oh, and a British Bulldog really just put on a, a dang clinic. How often do we get one hard on top? On, on top of the card. But, uh, yeah, we can give it to the crowd. They showed up. I mean, you don't have to give it to the crowd. Yeah. You give it to whoever you want. I mean, I was, yeah, very, very excited. I mean, excited yes, Owen, about, Owen and British I'm giving Bulldog it to the lady that tapped on Bulldog's shoe. Like, See? like wrestling was real. Because in this show... Wrestling felt real. Yep. Even the rules and the and the, like the DQ stuff felt more like appropriate than it does sometimes. Like the refs felt like they were a little more strict. Unfortunately, every ref is every ref is different. Is the excuse people always give. We all know why they say things like that. Yeah, I'll go with the audience as well. How about most surprising? Legion of Doom is back. Yeah, I guess I forgot and what's that funny they were is around that- this time. I found this slightly offensive. Brought LOD back on Shotgun Saturday Night. Well, they brought him back on the Raw, but then okay. they cut a promo on okay. Shotgun Saturday Night. Okay, I thought that their first like return was on the Shotgun Saturday Night, and I was like, that's offensive. But it was a great promo. And I'm happy to see him back, and it makes sense, because uh, WrestleMania is in Chicago, and they are Chicago boys. I mean, I, that might be the... The biggest surprise is there weren't really any huge surprise. I guess LOD was a big surprise, though. Yeah. I wasn't expecting them to show yeah, up I, in Berlin. I knew they came back. Well, they didn't show up in Berlin. They were, or, you know what I mean. But for them just to like show up, 
again. You know, didn't know exactly when it happened, but knew it was coming. Yeah. yeah, I knew they were coming up in the late '90s, but yeah. I mean, they really did have their time to shine, and it was a full decade ago, and they did a great job, and uh, were moreover than God, so you can't be on top forever. It's a a bit of a bummer, but, you know, they're not the... They were praised, essentially, for being green, for just, like, clotheslining people's heads off, and it was awesome. And we always... We still got this tape, so... Yep, I'm uh, I'm curious to see how much of them we're going to see on the, the shows that we watch, just because I know things get wonky. I mean, you guys remember one of the more recent times we saw them where Hawk just didn't know where he was and yeah. fucked the entire matchup completely. It was, it honestly like makes your fucking heart sink to see it. <laughs> but like yeah cuz it's like such a awful glaring mistake it makes a uh, Randy's leg pull look like look like pocket change and now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling the dusty finish Don Morocco with the help of the Dangerous Alliance had won the ECW Heavyweight Championship who would now face a former rival in Tito Santana on August 8th, 1993. Tito Santana, born 1953 in Texas, would play college football at West Texas State, which was quarterbacked by Tully Blanchard. Oh, wow. This friendship would lead to Tito making his way to professional wrestling to train under Hiro Matsuda and Bob Orton, debuting in 1977 for championship wrestling from Florida. He would work the late 70s throughout the territories and even in Japan before making his way to the WWF in 1979. Santana would team with Ivan Putsky to win his first belt in the WWF Tag Team Championships before leaving to travel the world in different promotions. He would return in 1983 to feud with the Magnificent Morocco, becoming the first Mexican-American to win the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Tito would then feud with Greg the Hammer Valentine afterwards, leading to them trading the belt over the next couple of years. Santana would finally get the best of Valentine inside of a steel cage in 1985, but the Hammer would destroy the belt, forcing the WWF to get a new title. Tito would then hold on to the championship until he would meet a newcomer, Macho Man Randy Savage. After this run, Santana would team with Rick Martel, to form Strike Force to win the Tag Team Championships. But Martel would eventually turn on his partner, leading to an extended feud. Tito would turn his attentions back to the Intercontinental Championship, but would lose to Mr. Perfect in the finals of a tournament. He would stay with the WWF until 1993, being one of only two men to appear at the first nine WrestleManias. For his accomplishments, Santana has been inducted into the Professional Wrestling and WWE Hall of Fames. Tito's time in ECW was short, and soon a new champion would arise in the emerging promotion. I miss so many of the people you named. I miss Paul. I mean, like, I was like, there's a whole lot of great wrestling before pay-per-view. 
that we never covered all those Madison Square Gardens like the uh, Tito and Valentine that wasn't on WrestleMania one but it was in 85 right I want to I want to watch that match I want to see Valentine and Tito trade the belt back and forth over a couple of years <sighs> maybe one day we'll catch completely up and we'll have to go further back but that's probably not gonna happen guys I'm just kidding <laughs> Next week, Uncensored, 1997. See, this almost makes me wish it was an ECW show. <laughs> you initially called out. But I have a feeling you might call one out next week. Music from this week's show is, for the last time, Monday Night Raw by Jim Johnston. Oh, wow. So I sang along for, wow. or, or just did a little ditty on my own for no reason. I believe they call or, it... Without knowing. Yeah, I believe they call it Kismet. Kismet. And British Bulldog won our main event, so we play Rule Britannia by Leonard Bernstein. I can hear it now. I know. <laughs> There's not really any other songs, like, entrances like that outside of uh, Pomp and Circumstance, where it's just like these big, like, horn anthems that have existed forever. And, uh, yeah. This is kind of the only... The only two, right? Yeah, see, like, Britain needs a another anthem, or a couple anthems, because anytime anybody talks about somebody from Great Britain, they want to play that song. And I'm, it's not that I'm against it, it's just I want them to play something else. Because, yeah. you know, here in, in the United States, you could play the Star Spangled Banner, you could play Recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I guess Spotch there is... America the Beautiful. America yeah. the Beautiful, yeah. Spotch there is Hoosier is kind of... In, in that oh, but yeah. it feel it has a different feel but it also is synonymous it's synonymous with it's older than both these things but it's 2001 and Ric Flair yeah and I think depending every, on what group of friends you're with yeah, yeah. sometimes it's for uh-huh. a, you know a, I have it kind of separated in my head in a weird way too because I'm a huge fan of both things but yeah sometimes where you work has a lip, th- a lip sync throwdown contest and your nameplate gets officially put on the trophy and you have to announce it to the world so you use spots oh yeah <laughs> what else yeah it's either that or pomp and circumstance if you like this episode or any of our other ones please go out there rate and review us on iTunes Spotify Google Play or wherever you find your podcast at do as Michael says. Five stars or no stars. Come on, guys. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Oh, sweet Lord. We're going to Uncensored. And that is from where? Charleston, South Carolina. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Send us some raw milk or absinthe. I'm trying to think of illegal things that aren't like that illegal, that aren't like <laughs> drugs. I'm like, oh, yeah, like raw milk is illegal. I think absinthe is. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I'm okay without either of those. But if you want to send us Pat something, you know, send us some words. Slide into our DMs. Shout out to us on, on the X. Yeah, pats on the back. Keep us going. That's right. We're, we're going to be watching Uncensored. And if you've listened to any of our views on previous Uncensored, we yeah. could use some support. Yeah, we're going to want to fall <laughs> off of a hay truck. Yeah. We, uh, we might be, I shouldn't even say we might be, we're going to be having some very uncensored conversation about this show, and I'm sure there's going to be a few Fs I'm sure, said. yeah. If you've listened to this show, you know the worse the uh, show we have to watch is, probably the better the episode. Yeah. Maybe this is good for you and bad for us. But yeah, shout out. Give us, give us a, let us know you're listening. Some moral support. We're going to need it. That's right. Be like my friend uh, Steven. 
I won't say his last name this time. Yeah, we'll, yeah, well, we'll probably be bit out. New week, new man. <laughs> I, said his, I said his, his Twitter name. Oh, so yeah. Is that what it is? Okay, I don't know. Okay. I didn't look. But you can send those things to our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on X at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H-I-S-T-O. X. Well, next week will be uncensored. Laters. <laughs>